Hey everybody and welcome to the kickabout. More pressure for Graham Potter at Chelsea as Man City put them to the sword. I'm your host Sean Deitch. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. Sean Deitch is here for a second week. My voice hasn't improved, as you can hear. If anything, it's got worse. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I have no idea how long it's going to take for my voice to recover. So you have to put up with these dulcet tones for another week. But good news, we've got Pete and Dan here to uh, to take over. So it's FA Cup weekend, mm. of course. Do you have an FA Cup-themed stat for us, Dan? I do. You do? Yeah, Lovely. Indeed. Well, let's get into it then. Down the stat, man. Well, I actually quite. I think this is quite a good stat. It's a bit of a, a brain thinker for you boys. Oh so. god, that's not so good then, right. is it? <laughs> a little warm up, ready for the quiz. <laughs> so, um, eight Premier League clubs have been knocked out of this season's FA Cup third round. This is the most top-flight sides to go out at this stage since 2007, which was the last season to see a side from outside the Premier League reach the final. But who was it? I think I know who that was. Okay. Do you know who that is? No. You don't? Okay. Blimey. Makes a change for me to know something like that. <laughs> well, you... well, no, because it's EFL related, isn't it? No, I meant if you do actually know it. Yeah, Brad Freed, wasn't it? We, we, were, we were in the Premier League at that time, though, weren't we? So. Yeah, I'm not thinking... Yeah, true. That's very true, actually. And I was yeah. 11. <laughs> excuses already um okay yeah, well support them or <laughs> yeah yeah actually that's a good point let's talk <laughs> let's talk about that video you put on facebook you know what gents i'm really tired <laughs> <laughs> um right okay as always we'll get the uh, the answer to that later on in the show um of course it was fa cup weekend so we're gonna we're gonna run through a couple of the games and then we're gonna talk a few wider points off the back of that and we're also going to talk in the second half of the show about the interview that david dean gave to talk sport regarding uh, timekeeping in football and whether or not the time of football matches should be reduced um so without further ado we'll start with um probably the the biggest game of the weekend in terms of who was playing um but it turned out to be a rather one-sided affair unlike the premier league game the week before which was a bit tighter man city four chelsea nil mm. is it fair to say the pressure is mounting for graham potter Good pardon the pun <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's tough, really, because I think, I mean, we've spoke about it in the group chats and stuff like that, but uh, obviously a club like Chelsea, the pressure will always be mounting if you're not doing well, especially if you're sat in 10th. Yeah. I know this is FA Cup, obviously, but um, but I do think Potter does need time. He needs time to bring in his own players to suit his system. Um, there's a lot of dead wood at that club, and there's a lot of ageing players, and obviously we've seen their like injury list. It's not, it's not mm. great. Um, so I, I think it'd be very harsh to point the finger too much at Potter, but he does need to find some way of trying to turn things around. Yeah, likewise with Dan, really. Um, as I said, they, their injury list is nearly enough to fill a whole squad, matchday squad, arguably. And it's probably their starting 11 as well. Mm. Um, they're playing the likes of Mount. It, they, they did say he was injured and yes. Havertz as well. So. He played like he was injured as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, you know... Maybe he's under that sort of pressure to the point where he's actually having to play 
players with like niggling injuries. Mm. You know, it's it's quite bad for him. I mean, you look at the subs he was bringing on. You know, these are all untried, untested youngsters. Mm. Hutchinson, in fairness, I thought was quite lively. Um, but man, you know, sorry, Man City never really got out of second gear in this game. Mm. I mean, the second half, which was I didn't see most of the first half. I missed the first two or three goals, um, and the only goal in the second half was the penalty, which was correct in, in my opinion in terms yeah. of the decision mm-hmm. um, but Man City could have probably made that game almost any score they wanted to at one point it felt very much like they they settled and yeah. they just sort of like you know sort of the proverbial blackjack where they sort of um, stuck with the hand that they've got you know and, and they had a fairly rotated squad as well same with a, with quite a few youngsters in it so it's not like it was a, a first 11 against the, the bench and reserves of Chelsea <laughs> yeah I mean you know it, it does seem that certainly from the Chelsea fans that we know that there is a growing unrest about Potter and about mm. what he's doing. I've seen a few pundits now weighing in saying that they think the Potter's out of his depth. Um, I mean, to me, if you're going to hire someone like Potter, as much as we've said before that the Chelsea fans, the jury is out on how intelligent they are as football people. But if you're going to hire Potter given what he's done at Brighton, you're surely not looking at Potter thinking he's going to come in and make an immediate impact. No. Well, there was a time when he was at Brighton and the Brighton fans were booing him. Yeah, um, they lost a game, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lost one game and then he was being getting booed. I think they finished like 17th or something like that in his first season. Yeah, I mean, so. I think from memory they were booing him because of the lack of goals, mm. um, especially at home. I think they went like six or seven games at home without scoring a goal. Um so, yeah, to, to me, the, the whole situation kind of feels like Chelsea are at a similar point in their transitional period to how Arsenal were. And if you think back to 12 months ago, yeah. um, mm. maybe it's probably a bit earlier in the season than we are now, but everybody, including us, were calling for Arteta's head. Yeah. And now look where they are mm. because they stuck with him. Yeah. And I think Chelsea just need to understand, or Chelsea fans need to understand, is that I'm not sure who they bring in that's suddenly going to turn their fortunes around with this squad. No. Um, you're going to have to bring in somebody of a really top calibre, and I'm not sure any of those sorts of managers are available at the moment. Well, they, they were chanting that they wanted Tuchel back as well. I mean, you, could you not argue that Tuchel was part of the issues that Chelsea have had right now? I mean, he started those issues. He got sacked for a reason. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he obviously fell out with, um, is it Bowley or however you say his name? Yeah. And it's always tough when a new owner comes in because they come in with their own ideas and I think that there was probably a, a clash of heads. But they were in really inconsistent respect. under him. They were they were in turgid form. Mm. They weren't scoring goals. I mean, let's not let's not forget, Chelsea really do not have a striker. I mean, we, we've touched on this before, but I think the problem has become ever more sort of evident in the last month or two than it's ever been. They've got Sterling on the injured list now. He was probably their only real goal threat. Mm. Brozier's out for the season. Mm. Bamiyang, I mean, he was subbed was off. Guy, wasn't he, really? Yeah, he was subbed off in the Man City. Was it, was it the FA Cup game of the weekend yeah. or was it the Premier League game? It must be the Premier League game. He didn't, he didn't appear in... Yeah, it was the Premier League game. He, he came on early for Sterling when he got injured, that's right, and then came off again mm. in about 65 minutes. Mm. So that tells you everything you need to know about what, what Potter thinks. And now you've got a situation where they've brought in Fafana, the striker who no one really knows anything about. They've got Mkuku coming in at the end of the season. So, I mean, they they don't have a striker. I mean, that's for a big club like Chelsea. If you don't have a focal point in your team, of course you're going to struggle. And they don't have the goals elsewhere in the team like City did last season to to kind of prop them up. I think the, the concerning thing at the moment is you you can see the statement saying, "Oh, 
they're looking at getting Jao Felix in on loan from Atletico. He's going to require a lot of money, which we all know Chelsea have because they've been bragging about it for the past year. It's only a loan, though, isn't it? It's only yeah, a loan. They've got to pay a loan fee, though. Apparently, yeah. Athletic want like nineteen million. Yes, yeah, nineteen. Mm. Jesus, for half a season, and you know they they're also interested in um, Mudrick as well, which Arsenal are interested. So they're basically saying, "Oh, well, we're just going to pay more money to get them." You know, that's not how flaunting it works. your cash at this point when you've got a. Starting eleven, which we're all injured, probably isn't the wisest idea. No, it's not. You you can't just throw money at it and expect it to work. Um, and neither of those players you just mentioned are strikers, so they're not going to solve the problem. Um, then you know they need to go out and get a striker from somewhere. So I mean, I don't think any of their. I know there were two cool signs, but I don't think any of their signings have really done anything. I tell you, one player who actually has really disappointed me is Koulibaly. Yeah. Um, I, he looked good when he first came in. I thought the first couple of games, I thought he looked really solid. Yeah. He looks so. He just looks so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a donkey. Can, well, yeah, you can get at him. He mm. you can. He, he looks uncomfortable on the ball. He's he goes into rash challenges. I don't think he's a bit of a problem. For I've Chelsea. been quite disappointed with Cucurella. I mean, like watching him against City, he looked like Trent. He couldn't defend at all. Um, and there were times where like the ball was sort of rolling towards the byline, and he was almost sort of jogging to it, and then Harlem would sprint past him and get there first, and. It was just things like that, and that's just a bit like. Is there an attitude problem there, or yeah, dis- discipline problem? Yeah, perhaps? maybe. I mean, and I, I mean, I'm not bit Sterling's biggest supporter anyway, to be honest. So I, I mean, Gallagher. I mean, like you know, he's his discipline concerns me. Mm. You know, the way he he's he's almost so. He's he's raw almost, isn't he? Sometimes with the challenges that he goes into, and there was that challenge he did on Cancelo in this game. It was just so stupid, mm. and it you know not that that had any material effect on the game at all, but it's very symptomatic of a team that's really devoid of ideas. That you've just got this sort of headless chicken approach where you're just trying to make something happen, but you're actually just causing more problems. I, I wonder whether it's a bit of obviously he was pretty much Palace's best player last season, and now he's a bit of a bench player. I wonder whether it's him trying to make an impact and make a name for himself at Chelsea that he is, you know, trying to get involved in these tackles and things like that. And he certainly made an impact on Cancelo, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do, do you guys envisage a situation? Do you think the Chelsea board will will bow to the fan to the fan pressure if the fans do continue to turn? Or do you think Potter has got enough, you know, do you think he will last the season if things keep going the way they are? Well, when he when uh, Bowley brought him in, he said that he was willing to give him time. So I feel like if he goes back on that already, he's already sort of making a rod for his own back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think the only thing really keeping him there, although although I do believe he should stay, is that all those injuries. You know, on on a on a different day, you could be saying you've got that full starting eleven all fit, like the majority of other teams in the league. Uh, and they could be getting results, you know, hindsight, let's say. So let's may, honest, maybe they're playing out for that because I do think he's a good manager and they've got a great background, as, as we said last week. So they'd be silly to get rid of him. <clears throat> the, a lot of um, need for recruitment next season if they finish outside the top seven, you know, no Europe or potentially conference or Europa League, etc. Yeah, it's probably going to add value to the price tag for players to bring in because you want to convince them mm. to come when you don't have European football. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, the, the the point on the injury is interesting because, you know, it's an injury, it's a, sorry, it's a excuse, if you like, that Liverpool use a lot, Jurgen mm. Klopp uses a lot. And for the most part, we tend to side with them and say, no, you're right, you have had some serious injuries. 
and I know comparing Jurgen Klopp and Potter is not fair because one's been at the top of the game and winning trophies and one hasn't. But at the same time, if it's, you know, if a top manager like Jurgen Klopp is struggling to get his team playing because of the injuries, and surely you have to give Graham Potter the same leeway yeah. with the same reason. So I don't know. I hope they don't sack him. It, I think it would be very harsh um, to, to not sack him, especially as he's not even had one transfer window yet. Because mm, uh, he came in in what, yeah. sort of September, October time, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they are on a poor run of form. Let's not get away from that. But I think you have to give him time. Mm. To sack him now, I think would be stupid. I really do. Um, so um, okay uh, moving on we're going to talk uh, touching on Liverpool nice little segue there um, Liverpool against Wolves um, I mean you know the obvious talking point is the goal itself um, but actually I wanted to talk about Wolves briefly because you know Lepetegu whatever his name is the new Wolves manager mm-hmm. just feels like there's a few signs from Wolves that they're beginning to sort of buy into his system they look a bit more threatening when they go forward mm-hmm. Just in time to play West Ham. Just in time to play West Ham, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, they obviously, they don't have the best squad in the world, certainly in an in attacking sense, but they do look more dangerous. Mm. Um, and I think it's fair to say that they were very unlucky not to be in the uh, in the fourth round draw on their own, rather than still with a replay to play. What did, what did you guys make of that decision? I mean, I've, I've seen like, I didn't watch the game or anything. I, I've, I've sort of seen what happened in that. So, did they was VAR not working or something? Is that what the gist of it was? So as far as I know, when it when it was read out at the time that there wasn't the cam- the com- the correct camera angle that VAR uses to correctly or to to um, accurately ascertain whether or not the player was <coughs> offside. Right. Now, I've watched that incident numerous times, mm-hmm. and I've paused it almost at every moment that a Wolves player touches the ball to try and work out, right, is there an offside here? Is there an offside here? Is there an offside here? And at no point can I see one that is even that. I mean, there was one where there was a header back, I think, which is maybe where they're looking. Um, But it just doesn't look close. I mean, I don't see, you know, could they not just look at the other angles and think, well, actually, you can see from this fucking angle Mm. he's not offside. I've got a question before I answer mine. Go on. Was it given offside when they scored before VAR intervened? Or was it given as a goal when they checked VAR? So the linesman put his flag up to say he thought it was right. offside. Okay. So the official ruling is that because VAR was unable to determine, they, yeah. they went with the on-field decision. Now, the problem that that causes is that linesman's kind of... Um, their MO now is that if they're not 100% sure, they wait and they wait and then they put the flag mm-hmm. up so that they allow VAR to decide. Mm-hmm. So what we don't know is is that how confident was that linesman in the first place that he was even offside? He might have just put it off thinking, oh, that's a bit tight. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll uh, just make double sure and give it to VAR. And now he's gone, shit, I've just given offside for something that I actually don't know whether it was offside or not. Well, I mean, we, we, can, we can sit here and moan about VAR all the time. And yet it's VAR that's not intervened and it's the linesman that's got it wrong this time, which is human error. It is, but what I'm saying is is that has he put his flag up believing it's offside? Yeah. Or yeah, has yeah. he put his flag up because he thinks it's a bit tight? Well, he thinks he's get away with it with a VAR. And he's, he's basically yeah. just saying, I want to, you know, because maybe, you know, it's 3-2, it's towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Does he put his flag up thinking VAR needs to make sure that this was legit mm. because I think it might be a bit tight? So... I mean, no, it's unfortunate for Wolves because of the way it's done. Of course, it sparked all the usual conspiracy theories and everything else. I don't think there's anything... Let's get away from that, for fuck's sake. This is purely a technical error in a, in what's quite a flawed system. Because apparently if they don't have one camera angle, VAR is therefore useless, which I think is worrying. 
Yeah. Especially from, you know, a club like Liverpool, they must have cameras everywhere. I'm surprised they don't have the right angle to... I mean, it does raise the question, are we saying that there is only one camera that is responsible for offside? Mm. So, you know, do they not have any kind of redundancy? Do they not have a backup camera or something else they can run with? Um, and, did, you know, I suppose we won't know, but did they know it was even faulty? So if that had happened, say, in the 30th minute, are they then saying to the lino, right, you need to fucking make all the calls now because VAR's not working? Mm. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a really odd situation, but ultimately doesn't really help Wolves. But I'll tell you what, Wolves going into that replay, they'll fancy their chances. Yeah, and that's really yeah. not going to help Liverpool in terms of Premier League, an extra no. game. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, Liverpool, I mean, Klopp is doing his usual in terms to we haven't got money to spend, etc. even though they just brought in Cody Gakpo. Mm. Do, you, do you anticipate them dipping in? Because to me, Liverpool are still miles away from where they need to be because of that central midfield area. Yeah, I thought central midfield was pretty obvious in terms of what they needed to buy. Uh, I mean, I was talking to a, a mate of mine at the weekend who's a Liverpool fan, and he said that he thinks the only reason they got Gakpo was to stop everyone else from getting him. Mm. And at that price, mm. you'd have to say it's a bit of a steal, in, yeah. on paper anyway. Um, do, you, do you envisage them? Do you see them dipping in in January for a, for a midfielder? I don't see him getting anyone, to be honest. <laughs> it, it is a difficult mark, especially when other clubs know that you're desperate for that particular mm. position. Um, but, I mean, they've lost Van Dijk now for a month or so. Um, yeah, with this recurring hamstring problem. Yeah, so... I mean, can I, they can they get top four with the current squad that they've got, do you I think? think? I don't think Gagpo's no. going to make that much of a difference that he boosts them up that much, to be honest. No, don't see it? No, I think they're too weak this season. I think it's similar to, you know, a few seasons ago when they were really struggling with the injuries they had. Yeah, and they somehow snuck into the top four they right did, at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they managed to get everyone back towards the end and start firing again, we might see them. But, I mean, Newcastle are obviously... They weren't a contender a few years ago. I think the problem is, is there's new contenders that you've got Fulham and Brighton that are popping their heads in. Yeah, even Brentford are up there now yeah. as well. So I think that's the problem. It's quite tight up there with these teams that usually aren't really sniffing around up there. United as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say, I mean, United, they win their game in hand. I think they go third, don't they? They're yeah. above Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're already so, above Spurs. Who's third? Newcastle. Oh, Newcastle, of course yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, quite quite amazing, actually, how that's turned around for United. Mm. Um, yeah, I, when you look at some of those other teams you just mentioned, like Brighton and Fulham and stuff like that, are we just... We've always thought, because of the spending power that the big clubs have, that there's always this massive gap between the good teams and the rest. I mean, other than the top two right now, anyway, certainly City over the last few mm. years and, and, and Liverpool. I'm pretty sure me and you both completely wrote Fulham off. <laughs> Did we say they were getting relegated? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, as, as we said last week, like, <laughs> when we go back and look at our predictions, we are going to be yeah. so out, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we've got to hope for a massive <laughs> drop in form for Fulham in the second half of the year. Um, but it just feels like maybe, you know, when what, what you're seeing from clubs like um, Brighton, even with Potter now with um, Deserby. Um, Brentford with Fulham um, Leicester have shown it West Ham have shown it if you're progressive enough you can compete mm -hmm. you can get results off these teams you know the gap isn't the gap is perhaps only as wide as your kind of respect for those teams above you and how much you turn up into games thinking you're really going to get beat 
So are we seeing a little bit of a transition there where we're seeing maybe a modernising of some of the other teams in the Premier League that they're beginning to catch up a little bit with their tactics? Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen uh, a lot of pundits sort of say that, you know, the, the small uh, smaller in commas teams like your Villas, etc., are no longer afraid of the likes of United and Chelsea and stuff like that. And you can see that when it comes to those clubs trying to snipe players. I mean, you know, go back a long time ago, there's no way... City would have had to have paid 100 million for Grealish because yeah. they could have just mm. said, we're a Champions League team, we want Grealish. Grealish would have kicked up a fuss and then he would have gone there for, I mean, I don't want Probably to half that, yeah. yeah, exactly. But nowadays, you know, these smaller clubs like the likes of Leicester with Harry Maguire, they have this power that they can say, well, if you want him, you can pay for him. And, you know, going back, that would never have happened. Mm. It's crazy to think what Mitrovic must be worth now mm. the season he's having. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got he's got to be a fifty million pound striker at least. You would say <laughs> now, right? Um, yeah, it's. Um, it, it, I think it makes life a lot more interesting because it does genuinely feel now. I mean, it's even more frustrating as a West Ham fan with how bad we are this year. But every year for the last couple of years, there's been at least one or two of those so called top six that have really fell away mm. or fallen away, and it's allowed the opportunity for those other teams to to steal a march and actually compete for Champions League, compete for, mm. for Europa League. And Newcastle are doing it this year. Mm. You know, I do throw Newcastle into that bracket because they've yet to really splash the cash to how we thought they were going to. Yes, they've spent fairly big on Isaac, but he's barely played. Yeah. Obviously, Grimares is the only one that they've really bought big money for who's had that big impact. Mm. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, we could end up in a situation where Brighton... Brentford, Fulham, or one of those teams that gets Europa League football next year yeah. if Chelsea and Liverpool don't back their ideas up. So I think I think it's good. I think it's good for football. <laughs> right. Um, we're going to just touch on some of the, or one or two of the shocks from the weekend. We'll start with probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete, did you see, as, an, as our resident EFL expert, did you see this one coming? Blackpool against Not Forest 4-1? Uh, what Nottingham Forest losing a game? I, I, I predicted. That. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean that's not so <laughs> uncommon. I mean, perhaps maybe the the manner of the defeat. I mean, Black Blackpool have always got a result in them. They had a fairly strong team out, couple benched, and Forest were like a mixed bag. Really, they changed some, eleven. Some, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, but they how many times did they change yeah. eleven? Though? Exactly, <laughs> and they still had another eleven that they could have changed. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Forest controlled the game in terms of the possession, but as we know, possession means absolutely nothing these days. Blackpool finished nearly every shot they had on target. Yeah. So it's just clinical finishing by a team with, you know, good chemistry as opposed to a Nottingham Forest side, which were probably not really that bothered about it. Very mixed squad with not much chemistry between them and these results can happen. Do you think this was a classic example of a of a sort of a team struggling in the Premier League saying our focus is very much on Premier League survival? Well, yeah, yeah, you yeah, you could argue that, but at the end of the day you've still got a couple of you know, the, the players that you'd see on the team sheet, maybe twice. Manuel Denise played. You know, he was up. Well, yeah, Dennis exactly, was up front. Yeah. Um, so you know, it wasn't it wasn't a, a ridiculously bad squad. I mean, yes, they did make changes. I thought after they beat Southampton, I think it was at the weekend or whenever it was. I've lost track of when all the games have been, to be honest. But I thought they might have sort of taken that little bit of form and. Bye. Well, beaten a Blackpool Championship or League One? Yeah, their championship. championship they're doing all right. I mean, to be honest, I mean, if you're rotating a winning side in a cup, which you know is pretty much pointless because you need to try and focus on survival, these results will happen. Mm. That that like I say that that winning starting eleven, you're rotating yeah, all of yeah, them out. Yeah. 
to play a, a team in the championship. So, yeah, I mean, I do worry. I mean, even though that starting eleven weren't involved in this game because obviously they changed them, the manner of this defeat is that is still going to have a negative impact on the dressing room as a whole yeah. because it's an, it's a fairly it's, it's not an unbelievably bad result, but it's still quite embarrassing to get yeah. battered like that by and, a team in the division below. Quite a few players in that starting eleven were experienced last season in the championship as well. So mm. I mean, it's it's all right saying like you know they're out; they they could just focus on the Premier League. Would they have not been better playing their strongest team, trying to pick up another win? You know, two wins on the bounce, and then that's always that the dilemma, up. isn't yeah. it? That's always the hindsight, isn't it? it? Was should you actually carry on that winning run mm. and that winning feeling, or do you? give your fringe players a chance, you rest them, not risk injuries, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, obviously it's it's massively backfired. And of course, um, I mean, perhaps to be fair, probably the biggest shock of the weekend, actually thinking about it now on paper, was Aston Villa losing at home mm. to Stevenage. It was like two goals in two minutes or something. Yeah, like two that. goals towards the end of the game. Um, I did enjoy the... Excuse me. Um, I did enjoy the tweet from Stevenage uh, mm. regarding Philip Coutinho. Did you guys see this? Yeah. I did. I did. Um, I mean, Philip Coutinho. I mean, what has happened to him? It seems to be since he signed permanently, he's just disappeared, isn't he? I mean, Emery. I don't think fancies him at all. No, I don't blame him. Um, I mean, if you can't, you know, he couldn't do it at Barca. He couldn't do it at Bayern. And if you can't do it at Villa, then he can't do it against Stevenage in League Two. We'll take him. Give him a shot. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really poor result. I for, for Villa. Again, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really poor result um, for, for Villa. But I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's all very well saying this when it's not your team that it's happening to. But this is the magic of the FA Cup, right? You mm-hmm. know, this is the, you know, the, the little guys going to the big teams, playing their hearts out, getting a result and, and having that memory to cherish for, for years on end. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, you didn't get to go to the game, but how, how did you feel Pompey did against Spurs at the weekend? I thought we were the better side for the first half. You know, we we obviously went there with a game plan. We had a load of injuries and suspensions, so it wasn't even our first team really that were playing against some heavy hitters of of Spurs. Uh, I I've it's taken my... a very good goal to win the game as well. Well, yeah, nice. exactly. It's just a clinical finish. You know, we we were playing defensive football as you would expect against the likes of Kane and Son. Um, but when we had our chances, we 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 took them and. Unfortunately, they just made some great saves. I think it was like seventy percent possession for them over it. Yeah. But in terms of the game as a whole, it wasn't really much between us. Yeah. But uh, it's I do, and that's why I do like this, especially the third round of the FA Cup, because that's obviously where the Premier League teams come. Yeah. In. That's yeah. where the interest perhaps jumps that little bit more. Um, but when you get these sort of like smaller teams going to the big clubs, maybe you know I'm not calling Pompey a small team. I'm more thinking of well, no, we are League, now, yeah. League Two, National League. Those those guys going up and playing, you know, at Old Trafford or something like yeah. that. That's where the the really special stuff. Well, happens. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's what I mean. We lost our manager right after the recording last week. Yeah, he we did. Go, yeah. We go there with a with an interim manager as, as such. You know, zero confidence from not winning in the past four months. You go to Spurs and lose one nil against. People that are actually playing in the Premier League starting eleven now. Yeah, fair play. Quite a fair few of them play. players were at the World Cup, you know, not four weeks previous. So exactly. Um, speaking of managers, I did hear a rumor that uh, Robbie Keane might be uh, heading your way. We've had a lot of rumors. Uh, I'm not really interested. In it right now. <laughs> Give me something concrete. He's like, not interested. Who do you want? Danny Cowley back. Really? You do? Yeah. yeah? You do? Yeah. You weren't happy that he was sacked? No, 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 no. 
despite the, despite the fact that you said you hadn't won in what two months or whatever it was. Yeah, we had a load of injuries, and I like the bloke. I like the guy. Okay. He done a lot for the community. He's a great guy. Um, but no, we've we've had like Chris Wilder and obviously Dean Smith play like, managers like that going into the hat. It's, it's a lot of money on a manager. Yeah, you know, I doubt they want to come down the League One either. Mm. Let's not dwell on League One. <laughs> um, okay. Um, finally, we are going to talk about Crystal Palace against Southampton. Um, now, obviously, Southampton—it was a big win for them. Obviously, they probably would have preferred to have picked up three points last week against Forest. Mm. Um, but a win is a win, even though it is in the cup. Um, I mean, it was kind of uh, given to them this uh, this win, given the way that the second goal was scored. Um, um, we're going to talk about Southampton and the general relegation Premier League picture in the second half of the show so we'll talk about Southampton then but I want to talk about Palace because we haven't really given them much airtime this year I think it's fair to say um, and one of the reasons for that is because they're just kind of just meh like they just it feels like they're kind of stuck because every time they get up they get one or two good results they then pick up one or two defeats and they're kind of just perennially stuck in that mid-table without ever threatening the top half of the league and without ever really threatening the relegation zone. Yeah. Um, and I, I hear today from a potential new listener um, that apparently the Palace fans are not very happy with Vieira. Really? Mm, apparently they are, they feel like they're going backwards under him and they're also getting frustrated at his loyalty to players like Jordan Ayew who just score like one goal every every season. That's probably because of the Spurs game. Going backwards from Roy Hodgson. I was going to say, I'd, I'd say they've improved since Roy Hodgson. I, I think in terms of the style of play, I think you have to say they've improved. I think yeah, there was definitely be, a lift in the camp. It yeah. might be dropping now, but that was a huge lift. And I think he's brought into good players. I mean, you, know, you look at their attacking lineup. I mean, maybe that's what frustrates the Palace fans. When you look at the attacking lineup that they got, that they're not a bit more potent up front. Mm. You know, you've got Elise, Eze, Zahar, Edward. You know, that is a good strike force. And yet they don't seem to score that many goals. Yeah. They are quite poor, borderline <laughs> terrible away from home. Um, and it just feels like maybe there is something there that could be unlocked. Mm. And is, is Vieira the man to do it, I guess, is the question. Um, it's tough. I mean, I've always said, I sort of always wonder what it's like being a fan of one of these teams that are like, a you know, you consider them a mid-table team. Because I guess the aim is to try and push for Europe, but they're never anywhere near it. And you, you know, you're also not that much in danger of being in the relegation zone. You're kind of in no man's land. Aren't yeah. You? So I guess it depends what your ambition mixed with reality is. I mean, I don't know much about their finances, but they, I don't believe they're a particularly wealthy no, team in no. terms of the other teams in the Premier League. Um, historically, they've never really spent big. I don't think they bought that many players in the summer. I know they bought um can't remember his name is centre midfielder. I can't remember what his name is now, um, in the summer. Um but yeah, they just they just feel like the the also rans. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's, it's just, I suppose it comes down to where where the board want them to finish in the league. Because I mean if you go on to FIFA, they'll probably go, I'll oh, get Champions League football. But what what are their ambitions for the league? Is it survival? Is it Break into the top it's ten. Probably, I think if you were to play football manager, it'd be mid-table finish. Yeah. Are they, do you think that's where they're quite happy? Just secure Premier League football every year. Well, I suppose to a fan, it might be a bit frustrating, but. Mm. Well, I mean, the thing is, I would, I'd say, if you really want to push, you've just got to think outside the box. Like Brighton are a good team to think to sort of look at because. 
they've bought these like South American players that you've never heard of really, um, like Sosedo. And and you know, they develop them and they can sell them for big money. I can't really think of any Palace players that have come in, they've developed them, and then they've gone on for big money. Mm. I mean, there is the a potential bump in the road coming for them in in the what is going to be widely expected is Sahar leaving at the end of the season. I think that'd be a good thing. What for who? For him for or for Palace? Palace? For you Palace. think? Yeah. I think there's been way too much focus on Zahar's you know, if you think of Palace, you think of Zahar. Yeah. I just think it's become way too much of a one man club. I'm not saying that the rest of the squad aren't decent. I just think it's always Zahar, Zahar, Zahar. You Do you know? think it'd be a bit of the Ronaldo or was the Ronaldo? Yeah, effect? you know, like say on Sky when they're promoting the game and they've got Palace, it'll be a picture of Zahar. Mm. Same with like Spurs and Kane, etc. I just think they need to part ways and become more of a squad rather than this sort of... Because I don't even... He's a good player, but I don't think he's as good as this sort of spotlight is making him out to be. Yeah. Um, is it a big fish, little pond? Well, certainly in his mind, anyway, big fish, little pond. Yeah, I, th- I think he's just outgrown the club, but not necessarily as in he's too good for the club. I think he's just, you know, there was all this thing about... For years, there's been stuff about him going and this, that and the other, and it's just... No one's really had that much interest in him that they're going to really go for it. I mean, I guess it would be quite interesting. I mean, maybe we'll know a bit more about what other clubs think of him when he becomes a free agent mm. because we'll maybe know by the calibre of the clubs that go in for him. You know, him being free doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come on the cheap because whenever a player becomes free, yeah, they immediately think they can get massive signing on bonuses and massive wages as a result. I mean, so I don't see him at a top top six club. No, I could see him. I think could he go like, Newcastle? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think he's like 28, 29 now. Mm. A Newcastle or a Leicester, maybe. Well, I mean, yeah. Leicester ain't going to be able to afford him, but... Mm. Um, yeah, it'd be, I, 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 I get what you're saying. It, it does feel like... <clears throat> when, you, when you've got a player like that, and I mentioned Ronaldo, you know, when, when you look at the statistics at Juventus when Ronaldo was there, there was a clear uh, trend towards people just sort of wanting to give him the ball at every opportunity. Mm. You know, the number of shots and dribbles and touches in the opposition box, etc., were all on the downward trend for every other player except Ronaldo. Mm. And that was a trend over the two or three years that he was there at Juventus. And maybe once Zahar is gone, all the other players are going to be like, well, shit, we don't have that our talisman to give him the ball and expect something to happen. We've now got to go and make something happen. So maybe it will unlock the likes of Eze, Michael Elise as well. When I watched the Spurs game the other day, I thought Palace were okay in the first half. They just they just didn't have that sort of clinical touch. To because with the um, AU should have passed it. So I think it was Elise. Um, yes, he should have done. Yeah, they would have gone one 0 up, and then Spurs obviously have had to fight fight back so many games this season so they may have done it but it, obviously it changes the game when you go 1-0 up and you can you, so you've got like something that. to defend haven't yeah, you yeah exactly but the, the pundits were saying when Zaha doesn't play well Palace don't play well and that's what I mean about there's just this thing about Zaha and Palace mm. so it was one in the same yeah ones, and I, I just feel like they need to escape that and be Palace rather than be FC Zaha yep that's <laughs> a very good point I just want to touch on the the, the sort of feeding comment as well. So if Crystal Palace do, you know, dip into the market and find these hidden talents like like the likes of Brighton, Brentford and, and that do, do you think it comes with a little bit of a 
downward trajectory after that because we've seen it with the likes of Leicester where they find these you know, hidden gems. They have some success, they get sold, they drop off. The same with Southampton. Southampton had one of the best academies, arguably the best academy 10 years ago, mm-hmm. sold their players for money. They've fallen off a cliff. Uh, who else have we got really well? Brentford are good at it, Brighton. Mm. At some you point, West Ham if you go back far enough and like yeah. Defoe, Carrick, mm. all that but, lot. But at some point, you're going to get the name Feeder Club, which makes you instantly less interesting and you're going to fall off. Mm. I don't know. It comes from, I mean, back, to, back, sorry, back to your point about the fact that these days clubs have a little bit more selling power. Mm. So if they do, you know, find these hidden talents, you know, it's not like a case of that they buy them for half a million and sell them for 20. You're talking you're selling them for 40, 50, 60. And I don't know if mm. it makes you less interested. I mean, I think a really good one, the best feeder club in the world is probably Dortmund. Yeah. Because Absolutely, every yeah. player knows that they can go there, spend two or three years there, play European football, play Bundesliga football, and then Dortmund be like, yeah, we're happy to sell you to the highest bidder. But even so, I mean, Dortmund have got to the point now where they've sold quite a lot of their young talents and they're sort of dropping off the, the, mm. the title chase now. I think so if, if, if they get rid of Bellingham, which is <coughs> looking ever likely that they're going to yeah, at some point, um, then yeah, then they really are you know, beginning to sort of lose that crop of... Yeah. Amazing. It's all to do with how you reinvest that money. Obviously, no, if, you yeah, do, exactly. if you reinvest it poorly, then you've messed up. Um, which I think is kind of what Leicester have. That's exactly what Southampton done. Well, yeah, exactly. Southampton. I think Leicester have sort of fallen into that pit where they've reinvested the money. But I think it's difficult. Forward, right? I mean, you know, you could have the best scouting network in the world, but sooner or later, you're probably going to make a mistake. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, know, you, yeah. you you rate a player highly and fall. It might even not be down to ability. It could mm. just be that his face doesn't fit or he doesn't settle in the or country. Injury Injuries, like you know, yeah. so, sooner or later, something is yeah. going to happen that makes that reinvestment almost impossible. So, but I just think for a, a club like Palace that don't have, you know, this Newcastle, Saudi money, et cetera, et cetera, if they want to be pushing up the league, they need to have their own business model and their own sort of profit income and to do that the best way to do it is to buy young players develop them for a couple of years and then sell them for a high profit and then reinvest that way and try and build up your your squad that way mm-hmm. well, i'd be yeah. looking more sporting director way than really than getting rid of the era if that's the case yeah, yeah. yeah that's very true yeah. um i guess maybe the question then comes to Vieira as to whether he is a good enough manager or whether a combination of him and his coaching staff are good enough to mm. actually develop the players to get to the point where they can then sell them for that big profit mm. Um, so cool all right interesting points um right we are going to uh, head to a very very quick break when we come back we are going to talk about the relegation picture in the premier league and also whether or not football should switch to a 60 minute game see you in a minute Hey everybody, this is a friendly reminder that our competition closes on the 16th of January at roughly 7.30pm. If you want to be in with a chance of winning a replica shirt from Down Syndrome Awareness FC, the awesome guys that we did an interview with a few weeks back, then all you need to do is head over to our social media channels, click the link for the Gleam competition, and make sure you answer the following question. Which player has scored the record number of goals in World Cup tournaments? That is, which player has scored the record number of goals in World Cup tournaments? Once you complete that, you can enter in multiple different ways to be in with a chance, and the draw will take place live on next week's recording.
Hey everybody and welcome back to the show. Um, so we are going to talk about the relegation picture in the Premier League as things stand. So um, just while I get the league table up for us to look at here, um, first of all I want to touch on um, Everton because the pressure is once again mounting on Lampard. Mm. He is a man who has sort of peaked and troughed with regards to the pressure on his job. Um We've, we've, we've spoken in the past about Everton and previous managers' failings, um, the, the lack of good investment in terms of the personnel that they bring in. Is sacking Lampard the right move for them or do you think they should stick with him? I think... I don't know. If you, if you look at it from a financials view, then you keep him. But... You know he's he's had enough time to make things work there, and they're stuck in the relegation zone. I I'd be very close to to pulling that trigger. Mm. I mean, it, they still don't seem to have a striker, which is a big problem. Mm. Um, Calvert Lewin, I know he he actually was, he took the goal quite well against against United. I know it was ruled out as offside in the end, where he sort of like just sort of put his body in the way and guided it in. But he's just not lived up. He had that one season, didn't he, where he was right in the mix for the England squad and he was scoring loads of goals and then all of a sudden it's completely fallen to pieces for him. He's had injury issues, etc. He doesn't seem like the player he was. No, I mean, the whole the whole squad is just a bit meh. Is it, it? You know, when Damari Gray is arguably your most attacking yeah. talent, is there yeah. is that highlight the problem? Yeah. No disrespect to Damari Gray. I just think that, is it Gordon... And Anthony Gordon, yeah. yeah, was linked with Chelsea. Was it at the start of the season? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, that link is never going to come back. Like you would 60 say sixty mil, wasn't it? Something along those oh, lines. If, if I was Everton, I'd have fucking driven it there myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's. I don't know where he is. I don't know whether he's whether he's injured at the moment. I've literally not heard mm. his name at all no, recently. No, I can't say. I've watched um, Anthony Gordon. He, yeah, he, he was playing against United the other day. So. Yeah. So and I. I he he never he never ever struck me as a player no. to come on that sort of field. I didn't see enough. You know, like when you see when Wayne Rooney first burst onto mm. the scene, you could see there was something there, which is why you know I paid the big money and obviously it worked out very well. I don't see that level of talent <laughs> in Anthony Gordon to justify a sixty million price tag, mm. um, and he's proving it, frankly, with with his performances for Everton. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's obviously. I mean, we're probably talking right now anyway, anywhere from thirteenth down you would say are in the relegation fight at the moment because they're yeah, all separated yeah. by five points. Mm. Um, Palace are just that little bit further ahead with their seven points clear of Everton in 18th place Leeds with a game, game in hand. Around. Yeah, I mean, Leeds have got a game in hand as well, although I have a feeling that could be against um, a bigger opposition. I could be wrong. Um, let me, let's go from, from, from bottom to top. We'll start with Southampton. Um, I mean, the new manager change has not had the desired effect. They've just brought in... Uh, Orsic from Dinamo Zagreb and someone from uh, like Argentina as well I think well unless it's Enzo Fernandez I'm yeah. not sure uh... <laughs> no it came off of my phone <clears throat> I, mean, I, I spoke to one of um, mine and Dan's mates actually as a Southampton fan the other day uh, we were speaking about Nathan Jones being uh, appointed and you know we're both agreeing it's a completely wrong decision well, you said at the time, in fairness, that you didn't think it was a good. Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't on the podcast, was I, at that no. time? Because that's when I was off when he got appointed. But you know, Nathan Jones, while he's a a brilliant manager on the cheap for for building a squad in a relegation battle, 
he's not the manager you need. And yes, he's going to have a January window just to try and mix it up a little bit. But I think it's getting to the point where it's a little bit too late to be to be really making a climb. I mean, they're in terrible form even under him. I don't think they've actually won a game in the league. Yeah. So Carlos Alcaraz, never heard of him. Twelve million. Um, is, is that signed? Yeah, that is yeah. signed and done. So they are signing players in the right positions because, quite frankly. Their strike force is woeful. Yeah. Um, uh, Arm, is it Armstrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah. done nothing. Shea Adams he, is a bit. And Shea Adams is... I, I mean, I, I love him, actually. I think his work rate is outstanding. I think he's a really honest striker. He's got a Rebo as well. I think he's playing in a striker role yeah. for them. But, I mean, Shea Adams, he's, he's just not good enough. He's, yeah, he's just... It's a bit like Dwight Gale, like he is, shining the championship. Yeah, for me, he is Southampton's replacement for Shane Long. Mm. Like, yeah. uh, an honest player who works really hard who give you 100% every single week but he does not have that end product I mean the, the, the chance he had against Forrest where the kind of ball set up for him and he went to hit it on the on the volley almost as it set up for him and it was just such bad technique mm. to drag it across the goal like the way he did so I mean they, they, they have a lot of individually good players in that in that squad I mean Walker Peters Ward Prowse you know they are they got, they got better catch up in their team yeah Bella Kotchap as well. Um, so, you know, if they do get relegated this season, that team will shift around a lot. But I think they're sort of one of those teams where they can afford that big shift in in, in players go down to the championship but still have enough to, to win the league or, or be promoted back up again. Yeah. That's when Nathan Jones might come into his, his essence, really, come yeah. into his prime. Do you think he'll last that long? I th- I think when you're looking at the financials that Southampton have, I I think they're just going to stick with them for the rest of the season. Um, are we? I mean, are we saying here? I mean, they've scored 15 goals, conceded 33, which I think is the second or third highest in the league. Um, are we saying that they're done? Do we think that you know? Are we? You yeah. know, I know the the points tally. You know, one win and it's a very different story. But they're not playing like a team that's showing like they can get out of this well, they're, they're a bit of a weird team really aren't they I mean, they they can go to a team like Arsenal and get a result there and then they'll play Wolves and lose like 3-0 mm. but I you know it's not consistent the only, the only consistency they've got at the moment in the league is losing yeah I mean it is important to say that whilst we're talking about these teams and we might be negative about them one or two wins and this entire picture changes that's, that's, how, yeah, that's yeah. how tight it is yeah. But when you're going on form alone and what you're seeing on the pitch and what you're seeing that the, the team produce, Southampton are looking like a team that are sleepwalking well, to it's, relegation it's right now. Pretty much like like Fulham and when they got relegated, mm. all you ever saw was red and, and greys on the on the form chart. Yeah, I mean Southampton right now, the 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 best thing about Southampton's outlook on things at the moment is that everybody else around them has been equally quite poor and inconsistent because nobody is pulling away and we said this about Forrest actually at the start of the season when they had that awful start of the season that nobody was pulling away and they weren't getting themselves cut adrift Um, next in in the list is Wolves obviously lowest scorers in the league Um, obviously new manager coming in as we said earlier just a few signs that they're improving but I mean what a big game this weekend against West Ham yeah, well, it's a, it's a relegation six pointer. I fucking it? hate saying that. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are we in this position? <laughs> oh god. Um, well, we were saying on the break, you beat you beat Brentford, and they're a top of the table. Yeah, team. but they had a weakened side. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dog shit game as well. Um, I mean, 
for me, Wolves is going to live and die with Wolves as to whether Le Petitieu, or however you pronounce his name, can get them actually putting the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis. 11 goals in 18 games is not going to keep you in this league. Mm, no. um, so they have to sort that out in the second half of the season. Diego Costa hasn't worked. I don't think that's a surprise particularly. No. Um They've got Raul Jimenez still there. Maybe, you know, the manager can get a... I'm going to just say the manager because I think I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Um, Lepetegui. Yeah, it is Lepetegui, is it? Okay. Um, so maybe, yeah, he can get a, a tune out of Jimenez in the second half of the season, try and sort of re- recapture some of his form. Um, but again, I, I don't know with Wolves. I just... I've seen enough of them, you know, because it's almost so ingrained in them. Yeah. It feels like half a season is not enough to really change them effectively enough unless he can bring in... I mean, so they did bring in a new striker in already in January, haven't they, from yeah. Atletico mm-hmm. on loan. Yeah. Kuna. Kuna, that was it. Um, I don't think I've seen anything of him yet. He's good on FIFA. Well, there you go, <laughs> if, if he's good on FIFA. So, yeah, I think Wolves are I think Wolves are banging trouble, but I do think they've got more about them to pull themselves away than someone like Southampton does. Mm. Um, they, they will be one of those teams that are there or thereabouts in the relegation zone come the end of the season. Interestingly, yeah. as it stands, none of the newcomers are in uh, that mm. relegation zone. No, absolutely not. I mean, they're all... Well, obviously Fulham are very much the exception. I know they're in thereabouts. But... Um, so, I mean, we've sort of touched on Everton. Um, I mean, last season, the narrative around them despite the fact that it almost went down to the final day, was that we felt that they were too good to go down, that we thought they would get out of it. Here we are again, having the same sort of conversations. At some point, we have to just basically admit the reason they're down there is because they are just not very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so are they really in danger of this season, do you think, of going down? Is, is Lampard the man to keep them up again? Oh, I don't really rate Lampard. I don't think he's a Premier League manager. Um, I think he needs to maybe drop back down to the Championship and build up some more experience. Um, I mean, we saw it with Gerard. Really, you know, he done well at Rangers, but he couldn't really cut it at Villa. Um, and I just think it's the same as Lampard. I, th- I think he just is taken on too much too soon. Living off his name a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just don't think he's got the sort of tactical knowledge to keep a, a struggling t- team like Everton up. But. Yeah, not when he's got you know crop of players available to him that I don't think are good enough um, I like what I've seen from um, what's the guy at the midfield the one that was about to come to West Ham and then chose Everton Anana yes Anana I like what I've seen from him so far um, he's a bit raw he's you know perhaps needs to just channel, channel it in a little bit um, but actually you know despite the fact that their defence at one point actually was one of the best in the league you know they were they looked really solid Tarkovsky Connor Cody and now all of a sudden, even that's now begun to slip. They're conceding more goals again. So it's a it's a bad recipe. You're not scoring goals and all of a sudden your defence has become leaky. Mm-hmm. It's a bad combination. I think they're banging trouble this mm-hmm. year. I really do. Uh, and then we get to West Ham. Now, I, uh, obviously, we did pick up a win at the weekend. It was another poor game. Sometimes just a win is enough to just to spark something into life. Um Everybody knows my feelings on it, but so I come to you guys. What do you think about West Ham and where they are and their, their chances I, I of pulling think away? out of all the teams that are down there, West Ham are the worst. And when I say that, I mean, I'm not taking the piss. I mean, in terms, of, motherfucker, <laughs> yeah. in terms of... I was waiting for him to say, no, I'm only joking. He's not. No, he's dead serious. Term, I'm not saying like, as in you're worse than Southampton, etc. I mean, you look at your squad. Yeah, in, yeah. relative performance to in, the squad yeah, ability. Performance-wise, not 
not like squad wise because the squad you've got you should be probably minimum 10th yeah so to be down there over halfway through no sorry we are at the halfway point to be there at the halfway point I know it is still very close and two wins and you're starting to move away but I'm very very surprised that Moyes hasn't been so yeah I mean I think I said it last week I despite the fact that I'm a West Ham fan I do genuinely think that we have had probably if you other than maybe Chelsea right now I would say that West Ham are the most underperforming team in this entire league Mm. Um, we've got the lowest. That's ex- what I meant by the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got the lowest xG in the entire league. Um, we've got one of the worst uh, chance creation stats. You know, you look at all the attacking stats. West Ham are at the wrong end of almost all of them. Um, all the things that West Ham were good at in the previous two years: counter attacks, set pieces, mm. work rate. We've lost all of that. Um, there's also been some rumours this week actually that Moyes has had a bust up with one or two of the senior players. So again, all of these noises are all again in the wrong direction. I'm not seeing too much evidence on the pitch that the players have given up. Like the work rate is there, and it was against first half against Brentford. The work rate was there; we just couldn't score in the in the league game at the weekend. He picked a very strong team against Brentford in the FA Cup, so he went the opposite of what yeah, Forest did. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. I mean, you've got to try and pick up wins. Yeah, like we, we got the we, we got the win. Um, first win in all, all competitions since November. Wow. Um, which is, you know, a stat in itself. We've won four games out of 18 this mm. season. It's really, really poor. So, and our next two are Wolves and Everton. So, I mean, I mean, we've got to win both. Yeah, As a West Ham fan, we yeah. have to win both. Yeah. You know, I said that we had a, a run of games where we played Brentford, Leeds, Wolves and Everton. And I said at the time that I wanted us to, I think we need to win three. Yeah. And we've lost one and drawn one so yeah. far. I mean, we've two left. So... And even if we win both of those, I mean, even if every team above us loses their games, that still only takes us six points outside of the relegation zone. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just these two games. We've we've then got Spurs, Chelsea coming up. You know, those are games we've got to start picking up points from. You know, those games that we're not expected to pick up points from, we have to pick up points from. You know, Chelsea is a team we should actually really be targeting with their, with their form right now. Spurs are hit and miss. We've got quite a good record against them. Um, so yeah, something's got to change. It's just, it's. I just find it strange that I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were probably talking about which European competition West Ham would be championing <laughs> yeah. this season, hmm. and yeah, it almost seems like realistic that a relegation battle was the pre-season expectation. <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's still for me that the, the one of the biggest issues is. And despite the fact that David Moyes has done an amazing job, I'm not one of these fans who's just going to completely dismiss the achievements of Moyes and what he's done over the last few years because that would be ridiculous. However, right now, and it's the case with all teams, you know, all managers at some point come to a point where, for whatever reason, things mm. just stop working. Well, you look at Pochettino for Spurs after he's, the Champions League. Exactly. I mean, um, Tuchel won the, the Champions League for, for Chelsea as mm. Arsenal just gone one up against uh, Oxford. Um, and at the minute, it just feels like West Ham have bought a crop of players or got a crop of players together now that need a different system in order for them to work. And I just don't think that Moyes has got it in his locker to produce a tactic that gets the best out of players like Pakatar and Skamaka mm-hmm. uh, and hours and Ben Rama. I think a better manager, a better, more forward-thinking manager... And there's been loads of rumours that West Ham are interested in people like Pochettino, Bielsa, well, Tuchel. Would someone like Pochettino go to... I mean, you look at Villa, who managed to attract... Uh, Emery. Yeah. 
from Villarreal, who we said were in a Champions League semi-final last season. You look at Wolves, who are doing awful this season, that have managed to attract the former Spain and Real Madrid boss. I mean, you can't tell me that West Ham don't have yeah. bigger pulling power than those two. Yeah, exactly that. So, yeah, I uh, I think the the pressure is still very, very much on. I think a bad result this weekend, if Wolves turn up and batter us, that could be it. If we lose the game, but a close game, he'll probably get given the Everton game. Mm. If we lose that as well, I think that's curtains. It has to be. Yeah. Um, the problem is then is that the risk becomes, what do you do? Do you get a short-term fix in for someone like Sean Dyche to come in and just hopefully keep you in the league? Or do you take the risk that someone like Pochettino can come in, transform the side into this new attacking, amazing football that all the West Ham fans want, whilst remembering the fact that we're in a relegation battle and you don't have time on your side to change the system round? So it's a it's a really difficult decision at the moment. And the longer you leave it, the less time the new manager has to turn. Personally, around. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. We should have sacked Moyes before. If we were going to do it, should have sacked him before the World been, Cup. Yeah, For, give the manager new time. Give the new manager a month time. with the with yeah. the most of the players. Yeah. Give him January as well. That was the key to do. But now that they've stuck with Moyes, they've almost sort of put their marker in the in the ground and said, right, this is what we're going to do. Um, and I think that changing their mind now could even actually be worse than keeping Moyes. And do you think with the death of um, Gold, David Gold, yeah. Do you think that delays any sort of major decisions? I don't necessarily think it will. A, because I don't think a major decision was coming with Moyes anyway until these two games. What it might do is it might uh, cause issues with transfers because they're depending on how they have to work out the finances mm. and the shares. I've heard that the shares are going to his son who apparently is a massive West Ham fan. He's already involved anyway. So hopefully that will smooth out the process. Mm. Um, Pete, you've been quiet on this one. I mean, what's your feelings on Moyes? Do you think he stays? Do you think he goes? What do you think the right course of action is? I mean, we discussed it last week. I mean, it's, you look at the results, see the first person to get the blame is the manager, isn't it? So, you know, he, he, he can get sacked. Are you going to get a new manager bounce? Are you going to start trying after that? We don't know. It's, it's in the future, like... But where they are at the moment, they have a good squad. You've brought in players which are, you know, of not world-class quality, but, you know, they're playing very well for their international teams. And maybe you just need to mix up uh, a refresh of something else. So uh, that starts with the manager, unfortunately. Mm. I, I think Moyes has had enough time now from where he was last year to, you know, to, to pick it up. And it's just not happened this season. Um, so I think at this current stage you're in huge danger and the manager's always the first one to go so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he did but then again from your point last week about all the financials and the takeover and the selling of the stadium or buying of the stadium sorry um, <laughs> you know there's a lot of things that are up in the air there yeah absolutely uh, right let's move on let's talk some of the other teams then Bournemouth um, and Forest I think it's fairly obvious to say that they're very much in the fight. Yeah. Um, Bournemouth's form is really bad at the moment. One win in six. Um, yeah. so the only reason Bournemouth are, are where they are is that new manager bounce, having Gary O'Neill. Yeah, which seems to have very much died already. Like a, a run of like five games or something unbeaten. And well, he, technically he wasn't the manager at that point, was he? Because no, yeah, he was exactly. the caretaker, wasn't he? And so, as soon as they gave him the, the, the job, he's, uh, he's all gone south. Slapping with us, Gavoli. Yeah. So, yeah, they're involved. Obviously, we talked about Forest. We think they're involved. Uh, Leeds United and Leicester are the ones uh, next above. Now, 
you know, their goal difference is considerably better than those below them, which gives them a real advantage when it's when the league is this close. Yeah. Um do we feel like either of those two can get dragged into this? Um I don't think Leicester will. I think I think they've got a good enough squad to avoid that relegation battle. Um, I feel like Leicester just gonna have a really me- mediocre, boring season. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll just go sort of under the radar, really. Um, and Leeds, they've. I think they're still signing players um, in January. I think Leeds will be alright. I think they've got a decent squad as well. Yeah. I think they're just missing the Bamford from a couple of seasons ago. To be honest, I mean, when they played West Ham the other week, we drew two all. I was really impressed with. Leeds going forward I thought they looked yeah. really energetic the, the two goals they scored I thought were really really good um, I think Jesse I mean I know um, he, he gets a little bit of flack because he's American he's you know and everything else I actually think Jesse much has done a pretty reasonable job with Leeds Very because because he's maintained that same level of crazy energy and pressing that mm. Bielsa was famous for but he's just added a little bit more steel to them. Yeah. Just a bit, not not huge amounts. We've seen evidence sometimes where they have been opened up at will. But for the most part, I think Leeds have, have, have been a pretty entertaining outfit under March. And considering they lost the likes of Rafinha as well. And Phillips. Yeah, yeah and Phillips as well. That's yeah, huge. Um, they just lost, obviously, uh, what's his name? Click. Mateus Click, he's uh, gone off to the MLS. Oh, okay. uh, he was given a... Obviously, it was pre-planned because he had a very emotional send-off in the West Ham game right. as he got subbed. Um, I'm surprised they let him go. You know, he's obviously not the best player in the world, but he's, mm. you know, he's a, he's been at Leeds a long time. He's clearly very um, passionate and, and, and loves the club. Mm. So I'm kind of surprised they let him go, but maybe it was just a case of, you know, couldn't guarantee him first-team football every week and maybe he just wanted to keep playing. Um so yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think Leicester will probably pull away a little bit. Um, I think Leeds will be okay. So for me, it's probably three of the bottom six as things stand. Um, I've, I don't think West Ham will be relegated. Oh, for the love of God, I hope not. I'd be amazed if they did. Like I said last week with Leicester, it's there's they they've basically put a plug really on the the start of their season because they were terrible at the start. Yeah. With Ward and goal, but I, I think they sort of got a little bit used to Premier League life now. They're scoring a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, but they were just leaking so many and then losing by the by the odd goal or two. Um, yeah, and so I mean they. I think they're going to get better as the season grows, and if they can improve defensively, um, they're just going to be a very mid-table side this season. Yeah, I think maybe the. Uh... The, the sort of the golden age of Leicester's success has probably come to an end now. Um, you know, they've they've had an amazing run. I mean, who you know, there isn't a single fan of a club outside the top six who wouldn't trade everything for what Leicester have had in the last five or six years. No, absolutely. Um, so, you know, fair play to them. Their time has probably come to sort of step back into mediocrity again, but I don't think there's a Leicester fan that will particularly care that much no. given that they've won a league, they've been in the Champions League and in, in Europe, they've won the FA Cup, won the Community Shield. Did they win the Community Shield? I can't remember if they ended up winning it or not. I can't remember. So, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, right, um, just very quickly, I don't want to sort of dwell on this subject for, for too long given how long our podcast is, uh, is currently uh, aiming at, but I do want to talk about David Dean <coughs> and this proposal to move... Football from a 90-minute game to a 60-minute match with a stop clock. Um, he says he has the backing of referees. Um, just to kind of emphasise the point here before I hand it over to you two to get your thoughts on this, um, the average time that the ball is in play, so when the ball is actively in play, not out for a throw, fouls, corners, whatever, is 55 minutes. 
in the Premier League. The lowest recorded was just 39 minutes and one second in the match between Blackburn and Stoke in 2010. Um, I think we probably would have guessed that Stoke would have been involved in that stat. Um, but, I mean, I can see the logic in this. I can see why he's championing this. I can see why he wants to go down this route. But I feel that he can, there's, there's a best of both worlds here. For me, I think you can do the same thing, but still stick with the 90 minutes. Because the World Cup showed that if you're a bit more stringent with your um, timekeeping, you can actually still add on the time. I mean, it, we only really saw it in the group stages. As, as the tournament wore on, mm. it kind of went away a little yeah. bit. I mean, after, was it after the first five games, we had a 90, another 90-minute 90 football match after the first five or six games mm. or something like that in terms of added on time. Um, so, yeah, so what do you guys think about this proposal? Are you in favour? You, would you like to see a, a, a version of it, but just not this? I mean, it interests me, uh, using the World Cup as an example, all the added on time they had compared to, you know, the odds three or four minutes. I think it said in the article as well, they just sort of guessed the, the, the time added on. I wouldn't be against this because it would stop a lot of the teams in our division, especially in the EFL, from time wasting because there's a lot of that in from the, a tactical point in football now. Um you know, if if it happened, it happened. I wouldn't be totally against it. But the one issue I'd have with, or, or a question as such, is does that mean a lower ticket price? Because we're losing effectively what a third of a match, really, aren't we? Um, well, I, yes, I, I I had the same initial question, but I guess the logic is is that they would swing it and say the well, football is the same, exactly the same. But the yeah. difference is is that you're not in the stadium for as long. Mm. Or are you? Maybe you are because of the stop and start nature of the game. But I you could could I mean, am I being too simplistic by saying that if you have a, a 60 minute match where everything is stopped, is that just no different than what we've currently got with 90 minutes where it isn't stopped? Mm. Is that am I is that too simplistic? Am I missing something? I would do what they've done in the world. I quite liked what they'd done in the World Cup where they added like the 10 minutes on at the end and stuff like that. I really we saw a that. number of goals yeah. scored in like the 105th minute and yeah. stuff like that. I really enjoyed that actually. So I, I would be quite happy if they'd done that rather than reduce the amount of time. The one the one thing I think would happen though is when they say reduce these to 60 minute matches, you know, added on time, let's take that out of the equation for now. In their eyes, that means well, we can put more games on then, can't we? Super League... Mm. And all these extra fixtures will just start jumping in from FIFA. Yeah. The thing is, are they are they looking at this as in world football? Because obviously you couldn't just do it in one league. Well, they said they're going to trial it in the lower leagues. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 yeah, they're looking to trial it in some kind of... They usually trial these things in junior international tournaments, under-17 World Cups, that sort of thing. Um, so I think at the moment, all David did is interested in is trying it. He doesn't. He's, he's not saying that categorically this is what we absolutely have to do. What he's saying is, I just want to see. We need to test it and see how it is. I just don't. I don't understand why they've just constantly got to fix things. Like football's been going on for years, and it's absolutely fine as it is. I think they there is an element of certainly in the interview that he gave, and I've seen other articles as well, is that people seem to believe that by doing this, it's going to suddenly cut out all of the time wasting. And play acting and stuff, which I don't think it is. No. I mean, there's there's more to it than that if you look outside of it as well. I mean, you've got injuries would probably be less likely. That's, that's a benefit. But I think this is more pretty much like the T20 in cricket where they try and do a shortened version of something that's good to increase more fans. Mm. And we know that is a thing 
that yeah. FIFA have been championing on because they seem to think that the average like nobody below the age of 25 is interested in football whatever the crazy well, yeah, exactly. crazy shit they came out with the other week as Arsenal have so got 3-0 in front now I don't, I don't I really don't think it's to 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 benefit you know, the fans from having all this time wasting all the players and, and all, I think they're looking at the bigger picture where they can put more fixtures in for a lower time and generate more fans generate more money yeah. there, there's always money behind it how, how long before we get to four quarters of 15 and the full American with half time shows no oh, no thank you <laughs> we've just got a fan zone at Frank Park that's enough for me thank you yeah I mean I, I don't uh, I'm not totally against this idea as I say but I don't think the the 60 minute match I would actually prefer if they're going to go down the route of, of, of uh, stopping the watch I don't see how that is any different to A, what they've done in the World Cup, because mm. you're you're achieving the same result by doing it in two different ways. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of it stopping um, time-wasting is not going to happen because one of the reasons teams do it is not because they're trying to waste time solely, it's because they want to disrupt the flow of a game. You know, you, we've used Newcastle as an example on several occasions. They did it against Arsenal the other week, where all they want to do is just stop the momentum. When a team is building up ahead of steam, you go down for a minute just disrupts the flow a little bit. It doesn't always work, but it's a tactic that every team uses. That is not going to change. Just because you started somebody standing there with a stopwatch and saying, all right, okay, he's he's injured. We're going to add on the 45 seconds that he's down for. The effect of the momentum being lost is still there. It doesn't suddenly disappear just because somebody's there with a stopwatch. Mm. So it's not going to cut all that out. Um, And yeah, I just, part of me is like, well, if, if you can't, guarantee the the actual benefits of this i'm not sure the benefit of moving it to 60 minutes is that good that we need to change it because again as i said earlier i think that if you're going 60 minutes with a stopwatch or 90 minutes without it's the same fucking thing mm-hmm. for me it's the same thing all you've got to do is make sure that you're accurately adding on the right amount of injury time as you said earlier apparently they've been guessing that you know it's been documented that they actually they don't know because i think which i remember which game it was where they, I think it came up four or five minutes, and somebody went, reckon they'd worked out that it was somewhere somewhere near nine. Mm. And it's you know you you always get these arbitrary one minute added on time just because they do, you know where you think well, hang on a minute where have you you either found that from nowhere or you've massively undersold it. Yeah. So for me, just fucking add on the right, the right amount of injury time and be done with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So that that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Yeah, do let us know what you guys think in the uh, in the comments on social media and also in the uh, in the poll. I'm going to put a poll out on Spotify for this one. Let us know if you think that moving football to a 60 minute match with a stop clock is a good idea. Um, and we are now going to start to round out the show, and we start with this. Damn the stat, man. So eight Premier League clubs have been knocked out of the FA Cup third round this season. This is the most top flight sides to go out of this stage since 2007, which was the last season to see a side from outside the Premier League reach the final. Who was it? So is this the 2007 <coughs> FA Cup final or the 2008? 2007 to 2008. So it's so that season. Ah, oh, well, I know that one. Yeah, yeah, Millwall. Huh? It's Millwall, isn't no. it? No, Cardiff. Oh. Cardiff, because that's that's Portsmouth Cardiff FA Cup final. No, Wankwo ah. scores the one 0 win. Did Millwall got to a cup final? Then because I think that they played United. Maybe it was like a couple of years before that. Well, the only one I could think of was two thousand seven final, and that was Chelsea United. That's why I got mm. confused. 
the one before that was Liverpool West Ham. <laughs> I'm googling it to make sure I've not fucking uh, stitched myself I'm up. I'm so glad you do these things. Yeah, 2004. I was right. Just a few years earlier. Okay, I was a bit out. So right, okay, yeah, good start that one. Um, and now we are going to <laughs> round out with this. Hello, hello. Right, scores are eight seven to Dan, so we are getting mighty close to the end now. Unless Chris can pull it back again for another level draw. Um, what buzz are we going for this week? So I think we've basically given up on finding new buzzes. Yeah. We can't, if anybody's got any ideas, it's a really of good funny, idea if we hadn't gone like eight eight. Yeah, this will be, this will be long since done by now. Um, so um, right, I'm going to go with this one this week. Okay, I should probably turn my phone up a bit. <laughs> You've got a fucking day to get three points! Neil Warnock. Nice. We were meant to have him at uh, Portsmouth. Really? <laughs> Potentially have him for a, a short stay. For the memes that you want to do. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm right up my street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go for... Talking daps last night. <laughs> short and sweet. Uh, right. Like another manager that was on the odds for us. Really? What Roy yeah. Keane? Yeah. Did you see him with his new moustache the other night? Uh, Absolute fucking it. sex case, <laughs> <laughs> didn't he? Rightio. Uh, let's start with our first player. He started his career at Valencia B, then moved to Valencia. Uh, got put on loan to Ibar, put on loan to Celta. They made a permanent move to Man City. You've got to fucking die to get three points! Who are you giving that one oh, to? It's got to be Dan, hasn't it? Is it David Silva? It is indeed. Yeah, that's what that I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, team Just waiting that. for that Premier League team. Yeah. <laughs> team after that is Real Sociedad. He's still there now. Must be getting I'm counting it as a point for me as well, in my head. Yeah. Uh, Okie Um... Next player started their career at Bromby, although they didn't play. Uh, moved to Galatasaray. I thought he was going to press his buzzer there. I was trying. No, I was trying to think what country that okay, was. Okay, yeah. So Galatasaray moved Bromby. to Columbus Crew. Moved to Liverpool. Blackburn Rovers. You've got a fucking day to get three points. Chris? I may have gone a bit too soon here. Do you think it's Sweden, do you? Bromby is Sweden, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought they were Danish. No. Um, I think I've gone too soon here. I'm going to go John Arnorisa. He's not. He's Norwegian as well. Mm. That's uh, why I said I've gone too that, soon. That, that was the Blackburn link. There wasn't yeah. Blackburn Rovers, yeah. Okay. Um, so it was Galatasaray, Columbus Crew, Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers, then moved to Aston Villa, and then Spurs. So he's at Spurs now? No, his last team was Spurs. He's, oh, he's retired right, he's now. retired. I've got a feeling I might know what this is. Yeah. See, I've got a name in my head, but I think it's completely wrong. Okay. Uh, you get a free hit here. He wasn't Liverpool, that's not him. So Bromby, Galatasaray, Columbus Crew, Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers, Aston Villa, and then Spurs. I'll guess... But I oh, actually, it's... I have a feeling I do know who you're 
Is it Olsen? No. Okay, I don't know. Can, sorry, can you just do the last three or four teams again? <laughs> I'll do the last four teams. They're all um, English clubs. So Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers, Aston Villa. You've got fucking die to get three points! Is it Brad Friedel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scored one goal when he was at Blackburn Rovers as well. Yeah, it was the Liverpool thing that was throwing me off. And I just thought, I wonder if he had like a time there where he didn't play for him. Or oh, he ball. started at Bromby. Well, he started there, but he didn't never he never played. He was over in um, UCLA in his youth career, but then he obviously got picked up. I was thinking of like a. Like I like a those ones because they, they, they throw you yeah. off, though. Cool, one all. No, I wouldn't in a million years have got Brad Friedel to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that's redemption for me, isn't it? <laughs> well, you guess him every week. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I put him in there because I really wanted him to go, I'm not putting Brad Friedel. <laughs> <laughs> you would just say Brad Friedel. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right, next player uh, started at AS Excelsior, moved to Nantes. Excuse me. <laughs> Saint Etienne, Lille, Marseille, West Ham. Dimitri Payet. Dimitri Payet, 2 1, Chris. He's fuming and then move. <laughs> move back to Marseille. Still laughing. Come back. Oh, so it's 2 1 to you now, isn't it? Okay. Yep. So, next player. Um, I've, I've tried doing this name, but I really can't. Started his career at Guadaljara. Guadalajara, isn't it? Mm. There we go. Why not? <laughs> uh, then moved to Man United. Got put on loan at Real Madrid. Chicharito. It is indeed. Yeah. I would have accepted that or Javier Hernandez. Was Man, was Man United was his first sort of mm, big move. Yeah. Wow, okay. I uh, assumed you picked him up from a, another European club or something first. Uh, yeah, so he was Man United, then he got put on loan to Real Madrid at the end. Moved to Bayer Leverkusen, West Ham, yep. Sevilla, and then at LA Galaxy now. Just two, two, two. I can't let you get. <laughs> I can't let you get match point. I can't let you go to nine seven. Would you like a Free point, relatively yes. easy one or a bit more of a difficult one? Depends who's more likely to get it. I think you both got a good chance of getting both of them. Right, let's go for the difficult one. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> let's test, so let's test, test ourselves. I just sold you a dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Sweaty hands. So this one. <laughs> started his career at Ruin. At where? Ruin. R-O-U-E-N. Ruin. Okay. No, that didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ignore that one. French. Okay, thanks. Okay. It's like third division. Right. Uh, then moved to Muscron. French again. Delete that one again. <laughs> uh, Hoffenheim. Then moved to West Ham. Newcastle. Chelsea. Fucking die to get three points. Denver Bar. He's got it. I don't know. Denver Bar. Yeah. So moved to Besiktas, Shanghai Shenhua. Besiktas back. Fucking alone. match point. He gives you a West Ham one. <laughs> <laughs> you agreed with the difficulty. What was the very? Who was the very easy player? Well, do, well, do it. Don't tell us. Do it. <laughs> oh. Obviously, it doesn't matter, but... Yeah, you no point to this one. Why not? So, started his career at Southampton. 
No bothers yet. Gareth Bale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would have done that if that wasn't yeah, a sure. match point. <laughs> Southampton, Spurs, Real Madrid, back to Spurs, and then Los Angeles. And he's retired now. He has retired. Well. I mean, you could argue he retired years ago, but uh, he has now formally handed his uh, notice in, <laughs> and he's now probably looking for his PGA Tour card mm. as we speak. Excuse me. Right. Uh, well, my voice just about got through that. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, we will be back next week um, for viewers of our LMA series. If you happen to be listening to this before the usual four o'clock release, uh, me and Dan unfortunately had some problems recording earlier on tonight, which means we're not going to be able to get the four o'clock usual Tuesday slot out. We think we can fix it. Um, but it means we're going to have to record tomorrow night, which means at the earliest it's going to be a Wednesday release this week. So fingers crossed everything kind of works mm. um, because I'm going to be really fucking annoyed yeah. um, with how well things are going if we can't, if we suddenly have to lose that lose that game. So, mm. And a reminder about the... Uh, uh, not quiz the, the competition yeah, quiz, of yes. course yes I did forget about that didn't I let's do the competition um, I will uh, I'll put, probably put something in the middle of the show as I did before with the, the question so you would have already heard about that but yeah just a reminder that you have until next week um, just before we start recording I think it's half past seven that the mm-hmm. uh, quiz runs out I've not actually looked to see how many people have entered but if you do fancy getting yourself a replica jersey from the awesome guys at Down Syndrome Awareness FC then make sure you uh, get involved obviously UK residents only um, and yeah I think that's everything thank you very much everybody and we will see you all next week bye bye